0: I'm super, super, super excited that you are here with me and that you're going to be part of our next discussion. Some people scatter their energy. Some people scatter and spread their unhappiness, their sense of helplessness. And then there are people like my guest, Crystal Partney. And Crystal scatters hope. So please join me as I welcome Crystal Partney into the studio. Crystal, please join me. dun, 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 dun the magic of tech. Ta-da! There you are. Hi. Hi, I can hear
1: you. Yay. <laughs> check one. You can hear me. You can see me. All is good.
0: (laughs) I can hear you and I can see you, Crystal. How are you this morning?
1: I am doing well. How about yourself, Jackie?
0: I am doing well. I am very, very excited for today. Me too. When we met, it was because people said, oh, you two are doing the same thing. And I thought, really? Oh my God, I'm not alone anymore. Yeah. The idea that we're not alone when we're on a mission, made a big difference for me, Crystal. So I just want to say thank you for doing what you do.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And, and back at you. You know, same to you, Jackie. I, I know it's always, you know, fun and, and interesting to get to know other people in this same space, and arena, and I'm just so thrilled that we connected with each other.
0: Now, you have to start with telling your story. So we're going to take people in the way back machine. All right. Um, This is. This is. A chance for people to get to know you, Crystal. And I've gotten to know you as you become part of the talks that save lives. When you. When did you decide that you were actually going to do something in this arena around suicide?
1: Well, as you mentioned, Jackie, it starts two years ago. It's the day before my birthday, actually. In 2019, I received a phone call from my mother saying that my sister, Gina, had taken her life that morning. And as you can imagine, we were completely devastated and heartbroken as a family. You know, suicide had never rocked our family and and had never been part of our family before. And we, you know, we knew that our sister was going through a really challenging time. But we honestly believed that she was turning a corner for the better and things were finally looking up for her. So that phone call was even more devastating because to to me and the rest of my family, we were completely blindsided that we just didn't see this coming and just completely heartbroken. And To be honest, Jackie, I didn't want to process my pain. I was literally about a month away from graduating college and I had to decide, okay, what am I going to do next? And I decided to shift a little bit and say, okay, I have worked so hard to get my degree and... I would be doing myself and not honoring my sister's memory if I didn't at least graduate. And at that point, as you can imagine, grades didn't matter. I was like, I don't care, I just need to graduate. But you know, I graduated, thankfully. And then became the hard part, the the hard part of beginning to process my sister's passing. And for about the next year. I told myself, okay, Crystal, you're very fortunate. You don't have to go out and find a job right away in the field that you just graduated, but you can take this time to heal. And so I did, I started taking the time to heal and every single month looked different. Every single day looked different. And this was new territory, not just for me, but for my entire family. And Before I continue on, I'll share with you just briefly the day that I had to tell my daughter, who was three at the time, that her Aunt Gina had passed away. And it was a very tender moment for me as a mom. And I was in the bathroom, and my little girl had noticed that I was crying. And and I didn't want to tell her, honestly. How do you tell a three-year-old that your loved one is no longer here, let alone that they took their life. And so she came into the bathroom and she goes, mommy, why have you been crying? And I said, okay, <laughs> I said to myself, like, okay, I have to tell her, I have to tell her now. And so I just said, um, honey, you know, I've been really sad because Aunt Gina has died Aunt Gina has passed away. And she looked at me as any three-year-old would and says, why? And to be honest, Jackie, that kind of threw me through a loop. I was like, oh, okay. Of course, you're going to want to know why. And the words that came to my mouth were, she was just really sad. And she, you know, Ava sat there and was like, okay. And then she started to smile. And I was like, oh, no, but I just told you that your aunt Gina has has died and you're now smiling. And I said, honey, why are you smiling? And she goes, well, mommy, does that mean that she is with Grandpa Lanny? That's my dad. And I said, yeah, honey, she's with Grandpa Lanny. And she got the biggest smile on her face. And she says, okay. (laughs) and She runs out of the bathroom. (laughs) But for me in that moment, it very quickly reminded me that it was a loving embrace when my sister left this world. And even though we were completely devastated and heartbroken as a family, that we were going to be okay, that we were going to take it day by day and moment to moment. And that's what, what I realized in that moment with my daughter, that, that yes, we were completely sad, but it was so beautiful to see her reaction and to have her, you know, not have a filter on, on how she was feeling and beginning to understand what was happening.
0: That's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Crystal. What's amazing about that story for me is the contrast between how quickly a child can process shift compared to an adult. And you know, we put so many layers of meaning on things that don't exist, obviously, because they weren't true for your daughter. Right. Yeah. You know? It's, it's really, really amazing. So I hear this a lot. And the saddest words I've ever heard are the ones you just said, which is we didn't see it coming. And so we know that we're hardwired to believe our family's fine. And I don't mean find the acronym frenzied, insecure, neurotic and emotional. I mean, you believe that our family's really okay. And so we miss all the signs. And it was true for me with my daughter. You just so eloquently shared the problem with the world. There are two sides to it. There's where I've focused, not me, but the Teen Suicide Prevention Society is focused, which is on um, trying to be proactive before somebody's at risk, before somebody's struggling with suicidal thinking. And there's the focus that you have taken, which, God bless you, I think you have taken the harder, higher road than what I'm doing. So what happened, what turned around for you that you're on the mission you're on now? Tell us a little bit about that, journey.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. such a beautiful question, so thank you for asking it. You know, to be honest, Jackie, I kept putting it off. I kept getting this prompt, this download in the back of my mind that said, you know, Crystal. And like I said earlier, I took a year off to heal. And throughout that whole year, I kept getting this download of, I want you to help other families that are going through a similar tragedy as the one that you guys are experiencing right now. And I kept putting it off. I was like, no, no, I I can't, it's too hard, it's it's too complex, it's too painful, but it wouldn't go away, (laughs) that's the thing about downloads, they don't go away, they don't go away until you start. And I honestly believe that 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 was my sister saying, I want you to be hope. I want you to be the face of what courage and bravery looks like, especially to those families that have lost a loved one to suicide. They need hope more than ever before. And they need to know that even though they feel like they've been left behind, that there is always hope and that you can be the face of, of what it looks like to you know, live in the day-to-day and the month-to-month and the milestones and the painful memories and also the good ones too.
0: What was it like for you? in the morning waking up grieving and yet feeling pushed by something to do something
1: oh my goodness it was hard I'm not gonna lie it was hard I like I said I wanted to just like no no I don't think that's you know that's that sounds too challenging. Like, how am I supposed to help families? Like, I can't even feel, there's so many times where I feel like I don't even, I can't even help myself. But you know, what was so fascinating. And again, watching my, my three-year-old process everything and I still had to show up as mom. I mean, whether I liked it or not, I she still needed breakfast. I still had to get her dressed and I still had to show up. And thankfully, I had an extremely supportive husband who would help me with that and would just tell me, if you need to take a day off, if you need to sit in bed, I'm all for it. I think in the back of my mind, though, I knew that even though it was hard, I had to get up. I had to do the things that I was used to doing. Because I don't want to say it distracted me. In so many ways, it it kind of did. But it was a good distraction that it was a reminder that, okay, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I'm doing this hard thing that I don't even know how to do. But it's fascinating, just like we're talking right now, Jackie, that, you know, whatever your spiritual practice is, I feel like all of these connecting pieces were coming together in such a beautiful way that I was meeting people like you, I was connecting with other people in the same realm, in the same space. And one thing that I do wanna say is from another friend, she was saying, Crystal, what's so beautiful about it all is your sister is orchestrating the whole thing. And I, that just brings me to tears, and it's such a beautiful reminder that that they your loved one Earth is here, okay they're experiencing life with you. They are just not in the form that you want them to be in.
0: Oh, I get that. Yeah. That's one of the things about grief. And we can get into you know, what makes grieving someone who's taken their own life different than grieving someone who has died from what we will call natural causes. Or, and then there's the grief of losing someone you know, suddenly to an automobile accident or not right. so natural causes, war. Right. So grief has different flavors. I think all emotions come in you know, a variety of flavors. But what you just said reminded me of how I got through my mom, that my mom's passing. And one day I realized my mom didn't go somewhere. My mom went everywhere. You know, it's a teenager's worst nightmare. There's no place I could go that my mom isn't now. You
1: know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: one of the things that made it possible for me to process emotion was to be able to see the silly thoughts. And there are moments that are silly. So it's whatever gets us through. The nudge to do something to help other people, to help yourself, your family, but other people's families dealing with the same level of grief, Crystal. What was the first idea you had, and how did that go?
1: Oh, like I said, it was kind of interesting because it was like this whirlwind of things that I kept getting download after download after download.
0: And the very first thing that kind of... I just spotted an elephant. Okay, for those who don't know me, an elephant in the room is something that's confusing or hidden. And in this case, what I think is hidden is what do you mean by download? Oh, okay. Thank you for saying that and I'll clarify that.
1: So what I mean by download is getting sort of this divine inspiration that comes into my comes into my mind and it could be a thought it could be a you know something that i need to do like an action step but that's what i mean when i say they were downloaded.
0: Cool so you had all of these inspirations and thoughts that just would not go away. Mm-hmm. And then what action did you take first and how did it go? So the very first action I took was
1: I sat down and the, the thought that kept coming into my mind was creating a subscription box. And at first I was like, okay, that seems a little
0: strange, but I'll, I'll go with a it. subscription box?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yes club or something sorry I, I said we're talking like jam of the month, yes yes, but like the every club. month.
1: <laughs> yes yes and that one like I said it kind of was like oh, okay wait a minute but ultimately it would be a subscription box that would arrive at someone's doorstep every single month and inside there would be tools, would be things that I used to help process my grief oh. after losing my sister. And just the techniques and tools that I used. And that's what it, that's what it is. That's what Scattering Hope is, is a, is a subscription box that helps someone heal after losing a loved one to suicide. So that
0: was the very first thing that kept coming into my mind. So that's something that someone could, okay. So so let me get this straight. It's, wow. It's almost the gift of grieving, showing up, giving people who are grieving permission. What a great idea, because one of the biggest challenges when you lose a loved one to suicide is who do you tell? How do you talk about it? What, what do you, you know, it's like, I can't talk. Yeah, I, it it was a challenge for me with my daughter's suicide attempts. I, I couldn't fathom what it would be like to lose my loved one to suicide and then have to explain over and over again that they're no longer here. Um, so this idea that there would be something that would come to me in the mail and I would open it up, what would I find inside a box?
1: There are different things inside of it. There is, for example, month one is beginning to heal, is you're, you're starting to heal. And inside there are, you know, just some examples, there are two different colored journals. And my reasoning behind this is because... There is a black-colored journal, and then there is like a teal-colored journal. And the black-colored journal is where you go and you write down all of your negative thoughts. Anything that you feel like is really heavy and you just don't know how to process it goes into the black-colored journal. And then every night before bed, you pick up your teal-colored journal and write down what you are grateful for. And that's just an example of some of the items that are inside. There's also a tumbler that I created to to again remind you the
0: importance of drinking water. Oh, a tumbler, a glass. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. I was like a tumbler. I'm thinking rock tumbler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A little too big for a (laughs) a little big to put it. Yeah, these things are huge. So (laughs) yeah. Awesome. And like I said, to me, it sounds like a gift. It's a chance to say, oh, I really am dealing with this. Mm -hmm. So it can prevent people from actually getting stuck. Yes. Which is which is a wonderful, wonderful gift. So the rest of the story, it's been only two years and our journeys parallel each other in that we got this universal shove out of our comfort zones in 2019. And I just want to inspire, encourage, hug anybody else who has been shoved outside of your comfort zone by life, which is sort of the global experience this past year. Um, So whatever has shoved you, um, Crystal, let's take them on the journey of what it's like when you started really following the nudges, when you let go of, of any, um, well, you didn't let go of any All right, Let me let me not, not put words into your mouth, but let's say, when you started taking action in the direction you were being guided by your inspiration, what happened?
1: More inspiration, more action steps. <laughs> Isn't that how it usually works? and it's interesting because the things that I hesitated on and kind of waited it like again it was like my sister was saying crystal no I'm serious like (laughs) I put that on your heart for a reason so you need to follow it and and then I was able to write a 30-day journal that walks somebody through that first 30 days of losing a loved one to suicide and it tells Every day is a new like daily affirmation and a daily journal prompt and why I chose that particular day. But that was just another example of the inspiration that came to my heart. And it was this beautiful partnership with between me and my sister.
0: I'm just gonna call it in the room. You wrote a book. Yeah. Okay. Most people take years to write books. So you wrote a book. What, what a, what a great thing. All right. So it's a 30 day journal. Yes. Okay. So, so now we're, we're getting the steps and it's about the first 30 days and it's really wonderful to me that you did that because it hadn't dawned on me. I'm going, hold it. We track the first hundred days that a president's in office. We track the first, you know, whatever for a lot of the milestones in our lives and I've never heard of anyone actually tracking that for what most people would not consider a milestone, but certainly losing a loved one to suicide is a turning point.
1: Absolutely.
0: And giving yourself permission to actually track what those first 30 days are like. What a huge gift, Crystal, just the concept of pay attention, because I can only imagine that it was a lot of shifting for you.
1: Definitely, for sure. And one of the, the goals of the journal itself is even if it's been past the 30 days, I want this journal to be something that you go back to whenever you need it. So it doesn't matter if it's the 29th day of the month or it's it happens to be the first day of the month, pick it up, use it, have that be a reminder that you have decided that you're going to begin that healing process.
0: I'm going to name an elephant in the room about why I think this is so important and why this fits so perfectly into our pure prevention programming that we espouse. It's because what many people don't know is that these first highest risk groups, Okay, The highest risk group for taking your own life is somebody who has attempted to take their own life before. So if you know someone who has survived an attempt, whatever you can do to support them and grieving the life that they had before they attempted versus the life they're creating now would be a great support. What's less known is that the second highest risk factor outside of a serious mental illness is if you've lost a loved one to suicide. The brain, the brain, especially the teenage brain, accepts it as being normal to take your own life when someone around you has taken theirs. And that's why I love the fact that your journal is a focus on, I'm on the journey to heal. For me, that means I've decided to turn my back on the ledge and I'm walking the other direction. It's such a beautiful gift, Crystal, that you decided to one, do that journey yourself. You know, that you turned your back on the edge, walked away from it and are creating all these tools that create buffers for people, something that backs them away from the edge. Now I have to ask because it hasn't been all that long ago since all of this has started for you. What are people telling you about what you're doing, about the effect it's having on their lives? What's going on in your world?
1: You know, I think the greatest compliment that I have gotten is from my mother. And she just is so proud. She says, you're doing what most people don't want to do. And that is address the elephant in the room. And you're giving people, like you just said, Jackie, so eloquently buffers and saying, I saw that ledge. I watched my sister go over that ledge. And I'm deciding not to take. But the greatest, you know, like I said, the greatest compliment is from my mom. And say, you are providing hope. You're providing hope to those families that so desperately need it. That, so that it doesn't become a generational thing. That it doesn't become this, this solution to our problems, to handling our lives and and just become an option is what i'm trying to get at
0: the fact that suicide is always an option it's the one thing that unless you're paralyzed from the neck down and even then there are we've discovered that people find ways so we know that it's an option on the table the fact that you've given people other options is why I am so excited about what you are doing in the world. This idea that the simplest way. Okay, so, so here's the world according to Jackie. I believe the reason that people take their own lives is the reason we do anything. Whatever that action is, we believe it's the best idea at the time. In the case of suicide, it's the only idea they can see. It's the only option on the table. And what you're doing with Scattering Hope is helping people see that there are other options. It's as simple as that. If there's more than one option on the table, then suicide is not the action that'll get taken. It's the action item, in my opinion, when there doesn't seem to be, when they can't see any other options. So you're creating this, these tools for awareness that there are other options, that there are reasons to stay. And you know, that's my favorite thing in the world. So cool. All right, what's the vision for Scattering Hope? What do you want it to become?
1: The the vision that I see is that we're having this become a global impact. That I'm not only serving people here in the U.S but I'm also serving them on a global scale. You know, I recently got to know a, a lady that is from Chicago, but she lives in New Zealand. And she said, when I was talking with her, she says, Crystal, they don't have very many tools like you have created. They, the, you know, the suicide rates are, are absolutely so high here in New Zealand. And... When I thought of the vision that I want to hold space for, it is global. It was never meant to stay small. I never wanted this to stay small because I knew that it was meant for more. I knew that it was meant to share with the world and not stay just in my own little bubble.
0: (laughs) Well, I am really grateful that we could be part of that vision, helping to get this message out into the world because scattering hope, like I said, is is completely in alignment with how do we prevent suicide from becoming what I call contagious. And I get called out for my language all the time from people who are psychologists and psychiatrists and deeply entrenched in the medical uh, mindset and, and understanding of how these things work on a higher scale than I do. All that said, from my perspective, suicide is contagious and we see it happening in the schools where one student takes their own life and then there's another and another and another and it becomes an epidemic and stopping this epidemic might be as simple as people being aware that you exist aware that scattering hope exists I mean, I know you set it up as a nonprofit, and I know what that journey is like. So my hat is off to you because that takes a lot of work. When it comes to you and your journey and your daughter, what's your worst day like, Crystal?
1: My my worst day. Let's see, because there are days. (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. There are days. The, the worst day is just feeling feeling like it was for nothing, even though I know deep in my soul that everything that I'm doing has, has a purpose, a higher purpose, in fact. But when I believe the, the lie that whatever I'm, whatever I'm working on, whatever I'm creating won't serve others, and I start to believe that way, even if it's just a smidge, that's a pretty rough day for me.
0: When you believe your thoughts, I, I think it was Byron Katie who said that she noticed that when she believed what she was thinking, she had a really down day and she was struggling. And when she didn't believe what she was thinking, she didn't have a down day and wasn't struggling. And I wish that it was as simple as being able to remember that. But it's the one thing I forget when I need it the most. I forgot something. When, and, and this is something I want everyone to know. You don't have just one nonprofit. You don't have just one mission. What's the other mission? And then we're going to get to some questions in the chat because I see them coming in.
1: Sure. Sure. So actually the, I need to correct you, uh, Jackie, they're both not nonprofits. Okay. They are, they are set up as an LLC.
0: Cool. So just wanted to clarify that. Uh, thank you because that's an important distinction. Yeah. And you know, I am uh, having been on the nonprofit journey with the team suicide prevention society. It's not one to be undertaken until you add ab- it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, I mean, yes, I, I, it's complicated in some ways. All right, so thank you for the clarification. And let's actually, let me address the elephant because we got a question in the chat and it was just, they missed the language outside of mental illness, contributing factors to suicide that we've been discussing. One of the highest risk factors is if you've had a previous attempt. The second is if you have lost a loved one to suicide and there are several others and that's really what the owl and the thistle is about right correct Correct. okay so i'm going to drop that because this is a great gift and a perfect segue so thank you very 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 much for the question and my screen is saying latoya thank you for the question all right so the uh signs to watch for this is where you get an owl and thistle yes so we know what scattering hope is about and we know who it's for and we'll come back to it in just a second, because you created an amazing gift for everyone around being able to share hope with the people around them. But what is Alan Thistle?
1: So Alan Thistle actually began before Scattering Hump, And I was really sort of sitting with this idea of, okay, like, What's being, what's being prompted on my heart. And it was thinking to my sister at that time and watching her struggle. And I was sitting there going, okay, and I'll just share this because it's a perfect segue as to why I even started Alan Thistle. So the Christmas unknowingly before my sister passed away, I was at Christmas shopping. And I saw this gift. I saw this little wooden sign. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get that for Gina. And I did. And so the sign says, find your happy. And when I went downstairs in my parents' home, where my sister was living at the time, and I you know, I said, hey, Jean, I, I got you a Christmas gift. And she's like, what? She's like, you have to give me a Christmas gift. And I was like, no, seriously, I got you a Christmas gift. Like, I know we don't do gifts in our family because there's so many of us. There's I'm the youngest of eight. So, you know, do the math. That's that's a lot of gifts. <laughs> so but I said, I, I saw this and I just immediately thought of you. And I just took a moment and before I gave it to her, I just said, Jean, I just want you to know that I see you. I see the struggles that you're going through. And, and I don't know what it's like to be you know, newly divorced and have your kids live you know, four hours away. I don't know what that's like, but I just wanted to let you know that I see you. And I saw this and I immediately thought of you. And so I gave it to her. And she started to cry, and I think it was because, in that moment, that someone actually saw her, let alone a family member. But I actually saw her, and that's that's why she was getting so emotional. And she just said thank you. And my remembering that experience of with, that I had with my sister before she passed and knowing just how powerful that moment was, I wanted to recreate that with Alan Thistle. And Alan Thistle's tagline is, you are loved. I wanted an opportunity for me and for everyone else to let the other people know in their life how much they matter and how much they are loved. Ultimately saving their life And just letting the people know, like, hey, I see you. I see you. You know, you're having a shitty day and I still see you. And it's just this beautiful way of allowing you the gift of showing the other people in your life how much they matter and just how much they are loved.
0: What a great gift. Okay, so I have to ask, what's the symbolism of the owl and the thistle? You know,
1: that was interesting because, again, my, I was struggling with the name. I was like, what do I name this thing? I have this idea. I don't know what to do. And so I went to visit my dad and my sister up at the cemetery and I just sat there and I was like, guys, you know, I just need your help. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to name this thing and I just need your help. And It was funny because all the way there, the name Alan Thistle kept coming. And then I was there having this moment, this quiet moment with with them. Obviously, I don't know if they were actually there, but nonetheless. And the name just kept coming back. And then I went home and I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to check it out and see if it's available. And it was. So it was this beautiful moment where it was like, OK, there it was so funny because I remember just kind of like, why does this keep coming back? And they, it was almost like, duh, this is the name.
0: But it was this really beautiful moment for me. Thank you so much for sharing that, because sometimes we imagine things have more um, symbolism behind them. You know, I was waiting for the story of, you know, the, the, what the owl means and the thistle and how, you know, and I had this whole story in my head and it was just a story in my head. Some <laughs> things are just really simple. And I love the fact that this is just, this is just what it is. This is the name it's supposed to have. And so we we are we are going to be having a lot of fun with some things just are supposed to be the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to complicate them. And and that's another gift of this conversation for me, Crystal, is recognizing that I spent a year and a half struggling with creating the perfect name for our programs at the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, the amount of um, we're, we're going to call this riding the twins of Perfectionism, like it had to have the perfect name before I could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And procrastination, which is often what perfectionism promotes and hides. Right. Um, yeah. So I was like, I was riding those twins for a long time. Your ability to just say, Oh, I. I got it. And to accept the divine guidance, you attribute it to your sister, which is such a lovely testimony to the fact that she had such an impact on your life and still does in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. And that's a real gift in and of itself. Speaking of gifts for anyone who's here live. And for those of you who are watching this on the YouTube channel, the suicide prevention movement, Crystal your second gift is nothing short of amazing. It is so like you, just this is what it is. It's five ways to begin healing right away. And it acknowledges something that most people don't want to acknowledge, which is that it's you don't have any choice about having lost your loved one. You have a choice about when you begin to heal. And if you want to start now, here's a guide. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I will, I will add to that, that, to just emphasize what you just said, Jackie, is that you're on no one else's timeline but your own. And when you
0: decide, it's here. So this is a link. If you don't need it now, save it. You may never need it. And here's what I've learned. You can't tell by looking. And the odds are that there's one in every room. In every Zoom meeting you're in, in every in-person meeting you're in, there is someone in that room grieving the loss of a loved one to suicide. So you may never, God willing, you will never need this for yourself, that you will never lose a loved one to suicide. But if you have, start using it now. And if you meet someone and you say, hey, I'd like to send you a link. I'd like to send you a gift. When you're ready to start your healing journey, when you're ready to have some movement around this, and you don't have to do it on anybody's timeline. I loved that line, Crystal. But I want everyone to have this so that they can give it away when they meet someone who's dealing with the unthinkable, losing a loved one to suicide. And we all know someone, we just may not know that we know someone. Hopefully, Crystal, our conversation today will make it a little easier for people to break the silence and reach out for help and offer hope. So thank you for coming on the show and scattering hope. (sighs) If there's one thing you absolutely want the world to know today, what is it? That
1: you can scatter hope. To
0: those that need it most. There you go. No one is helpless. They can all share hope. Yeah, you know, and it's free. Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> Crystal, thank you for being you and thank you for being on the show. Best of energy, best of, I would say, best of luck, but Oh, my goodness. You are changing the world and you're helping people heal. And I so appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Jackie. I've enjoyed our conversation.